We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the College Edition. I'm John McKechnie, and I, as always, I'm joined here by uh, Mario Puig. Mario, uh, how did you digest all of the kind of craziness that happened in, in last week's games? Uh, that was I, I thought like when I got up the next day that I was suffering from a fever <laughs> and was just like badly dehydrated. And, and <laughs> well, that might have been the case. Hallucinating. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, they don't need to rule it out. But uh, it was it was surreal seeing like the Middle Tennessee score. Obviously, earlier in the day there was Syracuse, Pittsburgh. Uh, but yeah, Middle Tennessee. Like I remember the I remember seeing last the box score at halftime of that one. I think Richie James had 200 yards rushing and three touchdowns in the second half. That's, I mean, yeah, because Urzua went out, so they just said, you know, F it, we're just going to put the ball in our best players' hands and just figure it out. And but yeah, just just wacky, wacky box scores. And I'm trying to remember, like, obviously Navy went like 70 points or whatever. Yes, just a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, it's it's too bad there wasn't a mainstream DFS for last week. Like that certainly would have been like all the record high scores. Yeah, we would have pretty much just been recording this podcast on stacks of money. That would have been pretty pretty neat. Yes, but. On the, you know, on the flip side of that, with all the cool stuff that was going on, there's obviously end of the season. Uh, you know, heads start to roll as far as as coaches are concerned, and you know, sometimes we're 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 more happy about it than others. Um, you know, the Charlie Strong kind of long prolonged uh, just sort of uh, torture sequence that led to his firing. You know, that kind of culminated in, in bad losses to Kansas and TCU. Uh, I think Gary Patterson. Uh, after the game said something to the effect of it was a great win for, it was a great win for the program it was a 
not a good win for me, you know, basically saying like he was sorry that it had to happen that way. Yeah, that was that was about as as pitiful of an exit as it could have been for the strong regime like uh yeah, Kansas and then just getting blown out by by TCU as as they're in the midst of their own disappointing season. Right. It was it was it was not uh dignified and yeah, I I don't know where I expect him to go next. I haven't heard anything. I'm sure he's probably a little rattled still by everything and might not have even been thinking about it too much. But uh, yeah, I think Herman was a good hire, even even though uh, he also sucks because he lost a couple games. He lost multiple games. Uh, he lost to Memphis. Ergo, Mike Norvell should be the, yeah, the losing, best hot Losing coach. to Memphis and he lost to UConn two years ago. Proof that he's bad, even though he also beat you know heavily favored Louisville <laughs> and Oklahoma teams in, in, in Florida like, humiliating State. fashions. Yeah, God, yeah. So that yeah, Texas definitely has something to look forward to there, and I think he might be getting. Uh, Kyle Allen to come with him. Remember, he got Kyle Allen to come down to Houston after he transferred out of A&M, former five-star guy that we both thought uh, was pretty impressive before getting benched by... uh or, yeah, by Sumlin for for Kyler Murray, you know, and that that whole, you know, we thought that that whole thing was a train wreck at A and M, but you know, they they kind of were able to come out the other side of that. Um, other coaches that they got fired, uh, you know, we 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 had been talking about this for for some time after after we kind of realized that Oregon was indeed terrible. It was like, yeah, well, Helfrich has to go. They weren't a little off. They were one of the worst teams I feel like I've watched this year, and they 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 had a couple games where they put up big numbers on offense, but. But just a just a wreck, and clearly, like he this this guy is not Chip Kelly. This guy is, he, I mean, Helfrick, whatever, might be a good offensive coordinator or something under a, a stronger head coach. But that team was bad, and like they they were underachieving. More importantly, it's not like there was a, a you know complete lack of talent. It's just there was no results. Um, and yeah, you could you, see, you could see signs of it last year too, like when the Jeff Lockie stuff was going on. Right. Um, it was like, wow, this is one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. And yeah, Lockie might have been that bad, uh, but it turns out it like really wasn't all him. It was like Helfrich can't succeed without really everything in his favor right i mean you look at you look at the meltdown that they had in the bowl game against tcu last year oh, they took a, like a 31 point lead into halftime but vernon adams got dinged up and had to leave the game and then you know jeff Lockie, obviously but like bram I mean, Kohlhausen or whatever yeah led them back that was that was that, that was wild uh, Oregon in the spread, so I was mad about that. Me too. I was I was extremely upset, and I thought that that was like a huge lock because uh, Oregon had been clicking so so well coming into that bowl game, yeah. and Boykin was out too. So I thought that was going to be yeah. an easy one. So we were looking correct, and then uh, the plane just yeah or bad example here but yeah it just totally went off the rails um let's see coach coach orgeron staying at lsu does that do anything for you not really it seems it seems like just a you know stabilizer move they have aranda coming back so they're not gonna be you know they won't regress next year but i also don't think they're gonna get any better really uh it's like this is not a herman hire this isn't this isn't something with growth potential there there's some interesting recruiting development stuff uh going on uh this is always a week that I start to pay, pay attention to recruiting because uh, the con- contact is open back up between coaching staffs and players. And uh, LSU had had this guy, Miles Brennan, uh, kind of their best quarterback recruit in some time, although I'm sure that we say that every year about whichever quarterback they bring in. Um, he had been committed for a while, seemed like this kind of golden boy. And uh, the, amid the rumors that LSU is trying to court Lane Kiffin over from, over from Bama to LSU, right, yeah. uh, they offered uh, Bama's blue chip uh, quarterback, uh, whose name I cannot pronounce for the life of me. But obviously, you got to think that there's some intrigue for for him to maybe go to LSU because Jalen Hurts seems to, you know, w- or would theoretically be blocking him for at least his first two years on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. We're seeing we're seeing the kind of recruiting fallout un, under Orgeron, and we saw that Miles Brennan got offered by Oklahoma State uh, right after that. So there's going to be a lot of kind of uh, musical chairs going on in the recruiting uh, realm, especially with quarterbacks coming up here, and you know some politics that could involve you know a coaching staff change with uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, you definitely know more about that stuff than I do. I'm I'm, I'm usually way behind on recruiting news and everything, but uh, otherwise with with the coaching carousel at the moment, it looks like. I don't know why, but Dan Mullen, for some reason, is in some sort of demand, 
or, or yeah. is speculated to, to be in some sort of demand. Uh, I think PJ Fleck is pretty obviously the right. very best coach left. You, you mentioned in our, our meeting a minute ago, like that if, if, if Brian Kelly gets fired, which uh, I know they said they won't, but how do you not? Like, how do no, you not? No, no one who follows that team is going to care about next year if that guy's still a coach. Um, but yeah, like PJ Fleck would make a ton of sense for Notre Dame. He'd be like, a lot of people might think, like, oh, they, they had to settle for him. It's like, no, he's really one of the best candidates for that job, uh, like among all, you know, prospective candidates that there were in the first place. But yeah, otherwise, like, uh, I guess uh, I don't even know his name, but Ken, the long name of oh, the Navy coach, the Navy coach, who's, yeah, I don't know how anyone could be critical of his results. It's pretty amazing what they've done there so he he would make some sense for Oregon if, if yeah. uh, they could pry him away yeah I think you know it's it's funny that you mentioned that that, that Notre Dame aspect uh, one of my best friends is, is really kind of plugged into the Notre Dame uh just sort of scene and he said that apathy has never been so high amongst fans and at this point you know Kelly just needs to go and he was pretty adamant even after the Texas loss that you know there's no way that that he's gone after this year after if they stink again next year in 2017 then he could see it but i think like you know kelly really put that to the test with some of those losses that they had uh you know now let me prove yeah wait a second bud (laughs) yeah it's like uh i don't know if you should be pushing your luck buddy Uh, yeah but yeah i don't i I think kelly needs to go it's but it's that's also factoring in things that a lot of people don't care about uh Mm -hmm. the the anyway some things that happened there before this year in conjunction with what has happened this year, it's like I, I think this guy's awful to get him out. Yeah, I think I think it's time, and I think Fleck. You know, I, I think Notre Dame kind of feels like they can get a guy like uh, John Gruden to come out of the the like the announcing booth. It's like mm, maybe take a take a step back and realize where you've been the last few years. Yeah. Fleck is probably the best thing you're going to get right oh, now. For sure, I, I don't know why people don't know more about him, but like he's already proven to be a uniquely good recruiter. The results with the Western Michigan team, their talent development after getting in these recruits, uh, like he's basically the best. He's basically the best uh, Mac recruiter ever, and it's not even close. Yeah, uh, he's put got basically like a, a team of three stars, which no one in the Mac has ever done. Uh, but yeah, I think he would make a lot of sense for Notre Dame. And I, I think if it's like if he does settle for like Purdue or something like that, uh, I bet he's in the NFL in a couple of years instead of a big uh, uh, college football powerhouse. Although I think he would make more sense for that. Yeah, I, I like him more in the college game. I, I would prefer him to stay there, but I, I also agree. And I, I said it last year uh, when the Illinois job opened up is like that. Oh, PJ Fleck from Western Michigan is like that's a that's a backwards move for him at this point. He can he can wait, and you know, coming into this year, and obviously yeah. with the season he's had, I think we're about the point where Western Michigan's ahead of Purdue. Yeah, no, they absolutely yeah, are. It's so a better team, just backwards move. So I hope he doesn't do that. Um, but moving on from the coaching carousel, uh, we got a couple interesting quarterback transfers here on the horizon Malik Zaire expected to be uh, granted his release from Notre Dame so he'll be you know kind of on the market as it were Um, the kind of names that came up as of Tuesday afternoon Florida Wisconsin Pitt am I missing any uh, they mentioned Michigan State, but That's that wouldn't right. be eligible because the, he can't go to any team on the 2017 Notre Dame schedule ah. except North Carolina I don't know why uh, you'd think they wouldn't want oh, him playing for them. Maybe because they're they're technically like pseudo ACC members. I don't know. I yeah. I, but it, so it wasn't Pitt. addressed at all in the article that I saw. Mm-hmm. Like it, it might be something like they just that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it makes no it, sense. A blood oath from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, or like maybe he's from like the Carolinas, and they're like, well, we're not that evil, so we'll let you go home <laughs> if you want to, but uh, not anywhere else you want to go. So you were saying in our meeting that you thought Florida would probably be the best landing spot for him. Uh, I think um, that would be the scariest team to result out of his transfer like i know wisconsin's very good but uh i i'm not totally convinced that they're going to be as good next year as they are this year right uh, we'll see but if he went to wisconsin that'd be great like he'd be great i think first of all i think that is a really good player i think people uh obviously he has had not much time in the spotlight and he's not known for doing anything recently but i thought it was really convincing uh that the like three starts he did get before Deshaun Kaiser kind of screwed right, him up. Yeah, you got to remember that he did beat out Kaiser for that job straight up uh, in the in coming into the 2015 season. He broke his ankle and kind of got right. Wally Pipp. And he started really well. And he, he, I think it was a bowl game against LSU. He was really yes. good too the year before. So I think Zaire is a really good college quarterback. Uh, Wisconsin, he would be that that defense plus him would be pretty killer in the big 10 uh but he'd be good at pit too i mean like he could he could put up maybe maybe that's the best spot to put up numbers 
out there because uh, don't have to deal with sec defenses wisconsin isn't ambitious throwing the ball um neither was Pitt, but at least i don't know whatever maybe they'd throw a bit more if they had a quarterback as good as him who knows it's interesting the the florida the only florida element uh that i could see where that get a little messy is that florida brought in a couple blue chip quarterback prospects in last year's recruiting class uh mostly philippe franks who i think should be the guy next year uh but i i would assume that zaire would be better than him right now if you know if you were to put them on the field yeah he's a grad transfer so it's just a one-off exactly um but you know you have you'd have to wonder about you know kind of keeping that that recruit happy and you'd have to wonder if he's if uh a guy like franks who's the best quarterback recruit that they've gotten in a while if he would start to you know start to get the wandering eye a little bit and think about going elsewhere as opposed to having to wait till his junior year to play um and then we got jared stidham who we remember from from uh filling in for seth russell after seth russell's neck injury in 2015 played really well until he did he have an ankle injury himself to end uh, the year I think, last year? I think something like that, yeah. And then, uh, obviously, amid all the Art Bryles tor- turmoil over the summer, he opted to just go play at a JUCO this year. It uh, looks like Auburn is definitely in the driver's seat for him, but I think Florida's looking at him as well. Yeah, that I, I was surprised to see him linked so heavily to Auburn because I didn't think he was uh, as much of a running quarterback as Auburn normally looks for. I thought he was more of a pro prospect who uh, can run but would, would maybe rather not take the hits entailed uh, at a playing quarterback for the Gus Malzahn scheme. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. He can, he can he at least can run a little bit. He would be better than I think anybody they have right now by quite a large, mar- large margin. But, um, yeah, I don't know. If, if, if I guess Zaire and him, I don't know, can split Florida and uh, Auburn or something, uh, I don't know. That might be the way it goes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I, I uh, don't ex- I don't know what's going on with Stidham though, but yeah, he was even like a few months ago pretty heavily linked to Auburn for some reason. Right, and it seemed like as of this week he was visiting there officially, and he extended his visit. So I think that that is looking more and more like a lock by the day. And hmm. you know, wh- while we both are right to wonder about his fit within the Malzahn system, he is a really talented player. I was very impressed by what he was able to do, uh, just kind of coming in as a true freshman. I didn't think the Baylor offense had a huge drop off with him under center no they didn't so should be interesting we'll see how that all plays out and then the big sort of early draft story uh thus far your guy foreman yeah he announces just, today yeah he just announced that he's he will be entering the draft which is definitely the right move um i think he'll be probably like an early third round pick and not not that i like that that is to say 10 years ago, I think he would have been a first round pick. Right. Uh, just, yeah, every, when Kenneth Dixon's fall to like almost the fifth round, then it's like D- Dante Foreman's fall to the third, like Derek Henry mm-hmm. almost fell all the way to the third if it wasn't for the Titans. So, um, I, I consider him about as good of a prospect as Henry. And I, I was much higher on Henry than like a lot of people. Right. Um, uh, basically they're similar to the, like, he's not a six, three two fifty, but he is like six, one, uh, two forty five. And he might be faster in a straight line than Derrick Henry. He he might run like a four or five flat at the combine. So he's he's really fast for how big he is, and obviously he's put up insane numbers the last yep. two years. Yep, led the led the nation in rushing over two thousand yards, I believe, this season. So he missed a game. Yeah, he did. And then one of his touchdowns was without a shoe as well. So I mean, yeah, he's yeah, uh, he's pretty good. It's so weird how he's the twin brother of Armonte Foreman, who was like a way higher recruit than yeah, him. He was a and huge then deal. like Armonte just doesn't do anything, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, so. way to go. Anyway, yeah, it's I, I think he's Texas these days. I would only I, I expect him to go after uh, certainly uh, Fournette, Cook, and Chubb, but uh, and probably Royce Freeman. But I, I like I think I'll like Foreman more than like McCaffrey, um, and I don't know who else I'm forgetting. But uh, yeah, really good running back class either way. Maybe like you'll like him more than an Elijah Hood or Wayne Gallman. Uh, yeah, more than Gallman. I have. To, I don't even know what I think of Hood exactly because I, I just this hate the way he's weird. used. I hate the way he's used in the Fedora offense. But uh, we'll see. Testing definitely, uh, athletic testing at the combine definitely settles a lot of the the questions for me. Exactly. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, let's move into some championship weekend action. I am actually wearing 
a Western Michigan Row the Boat shirt, courtesy of our own Western Michigan alum in the office, Mike G. Did he just buy you a shirt? He acquired it when he went to Kalamazoo for game day two weekends ago. Okay. So it's straight from Kalamazoo, so you know it's good. He went there to buy the shirt for you? Yes. That was precisely uh, his his reason for going back. That and to watch Western Michigan just paste Buffalo uh, in the snow. That was cool. But... This weekend, we got the MAC championship. We got Western Michigan 18.5 point favorites against Ohio, over under 59.5. Just a couple of quick Western Michigan facts. The only MAC team to ever beat all of its MAC opponents by at least 14 points. Uh, just really impressive team all around. You had a really good Zach Terrell nugget from earlier. What was that again? Uh, he has, in, in 12 games this year, 30 passing touchdowns and one interception. And then six rushing touchdowns on top of that? Yeah. I don't know how many fumbles he might have, but basically, yeah, some, something upwards of 37 touchdowns versus uh, just one or three or four turnovers. And so they're playing Ohio. Ohio obviously has kind of exceeded our expectations this year. You know, they've definitely, uh, you know, just... I haven't looked them up for this uh for this record but i would imagine they're pretty consistently uh on the under like when you when you play ohio they find a way to make it close drag you down yeah and like just make it uncomfortable so i i think western michigan might have trouble to getting over 17 points like that spread is 18 or whatever uh but yeah western michigan should win Uh, ohio can't really throw the ball and they're they're running is is kind of a patchwork uh, committee too so uh yeah western michigan's a totally different machine but i I bet ohio makes it tougher than people expect Uh, yeah i'd prefer that line to be closer to 17 absolutely uh just with the way that ohio can kind of just slow things down solik has just a long history of making it hard in settings like this i just i i have this theory that western michigan kind of has a little bit of heat on them even though they are technically like in the the leaders in the clubhouse to get that group of five spot in the in the uh in like the new year's six bowls but navy's only two spots behind them and they if they if they become the aac conference Mm. champions that's probably a more impressive conference than the mac yeah it despite how good western michigan has been this year so i think western michigan needs to come out and, and absolutely kind of blow the doors off of ohio so i could see a scenario where they do win by three touchdowns yeah. i just think it's going to be tough but i think that's they definitely what they want to do yeah they will be trying to so that that might be all it really takes because they have a big town advantage yes they do uh then moving on to the pac 12 championship we got colorado versus washington just as everyone anticipated before the season <laughs> yeah well i i knew i knew we, colorado would be this good <laughs> yep yep exactly everywhere i said yep, that we, we knew that they would just uh, be a lot better than ucla and we knew that both the arizona schools would be just I think the we worst did kind of ever. expect ucla to be a bit of a turd but uh yeah i also didn't ex- i mean I, I didn't know of the you know the uh i, I didn't read these prophecies of sam darnold's uh, arrival and, and ascent and that changed everything because like i was basically projecting them like okay crap quarterback bad coach uh, if you have a savior quarterback though that changes things i didn't see that coming right but. i th- I think it, i'd like to go back and listen to our podcast after week one after usc just got buried by alabama and see and see how we felt these about guys them back are then. so bad good god we're never talking about them again mm. now we talk about them every week even in a game or in a week where they're not playing but to the matter at hand we got colorado and washington here washington seven and a half point favorites over under 58 and a half uh Looking into some stats from Bill Connolly over at SB Nation, uh, he's projecting a 6.6-point victory uh, for Washington here, and he's giving them a 65% win probability. Yeah, I I like Colorado. I I like Seifo Lufau. Mike McIntyre's done a great job there. The defense has been very good. Um, I'm a little concerned it hasn't been tested that well, though. Right. Um, Like, they gave up... uh, like I think this must have been a Dakota Prukop game. Still, uh, like Oregon threw on them okay, right? Uh, Darnold lit them up. Yes. So yeah, I think Browning is definitely more in the, in the Darnold. That was very tier. very Ernold. Er, I think that might have been Darnold's second start. Uh, yeah, something third. like that. It was it was definitely one of his first games, and uh, he, he put up like three fifty and three touchdowns on them. Not bad. So yeah, uh, and, and but then the rest of the schedule for Colorado is like Colorado State, Idaho State, Michigan, Oregon State. Arizona State, uh, Stanford, UCLA, Arizona. So also, uh, Luke Falk put up three twenty and three touchdowns on Colorado. That's uh, just a sl- that's a slow day by his 
standards. Yeah, now. and so the Colorado pass defense is definitely good. Yes, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's particularly close to the level you need to be to shut down the Washington passing game, though. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I think that Washington is, is the mo- outside of. Well, I don't know how you defend those receivers because, like a, a Colorado type defense in college. Uh, probably more in the Stanford model of, of uh, like, you know, you're physical at the line, you take advantage of college football's lax uh, holding and downfield contact rules. I don't think you can get away. I don't think that you can press these receivers. They're too quick. They get away from you and no one can run with them. No. Like Pettis and Ross are too fast. So uh, as long as Browning doesn't, you know, have, have an off day, which he do- hasn't really done this year. I, I just I just don't really see them. I, I guess he did against USC, but right. uh, I don't I don't I don't think uh, Colorado's defense is as good as theirs actually. So really, what it comes down to for me is: to, Do you think Washington wins by more than a touchdown? Uh, I think so. I'm not I'm not so sure, but I, I'm leaning that way too. I think that I think they could maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think of what a, what score would sit right with me. Maybe like a 27-17 type of game. Yeah, something like that. I, I can see it. Yeah, something like that. It's just I feel like Seifu Lufa, while I, I like him, uh, I don't think he's like that good. Like I think, I think he's just good and like has, has been overlooked his whole career there. But going against Washington, it's like you – only a Darnold type quarterback is, is what I expect to stand up against that defense. And uh, yeah, Darnold's way ahead of Lufo. All right. So we both see uh, Washington getting the win, getting the cover, and presumably one of the final spots available in the college football playoff. Moving on to Saturday here, uh, starting off with the AAC championship, uh, Temple uh, at Navy, so it, it it is being played in Annapolis. It, Navy is a three point favorite here. I would expect that line to get bigger as the game gets closer because it sounds like uh, PJ Walker, Philip Walker, the Temple quarterback, is going to be significantly limited, and he right. doesn't really have any utility to spare. He's he's a rough passer to begin with. Uh, Ventel Bryant, the receiver, should should be fine, but he's a bit nicked up. Uh, they're probably going to be without. Uh, this is taking the coach Matt Rule at his word. He could have been just you know speaking uh, gibberish because he, he doesn't need to be truthful. There's no reason for him to be truthful actually. Uh, but he said Raquel Armstead is probably not going to play. He's their main like goal line back because even though he's not big, Jihad Thomas is like 180 pounds, and right. they, they use him so much outside of the 20s that that he's going to have to have like he's going to have 30 plus touches in this game, I bet. Uh, wow. And he's really good. He might be able to carry them to a, a win, but I just don't think beat up Temple is is a team that projects well against Navy. Yeah, that that's tough. Navy's going to grind them down, and uh, you know, like you said, Temple needed to kind of be at full force and able to do this. And I think like the S and P projection uh, from from Connolly uh, kind of isn't factoring in the fact that uh, Temple's quarterback and its running game are going to are going to be hindered uh, because they're projecting a a nearly. Uh, Full, full touchdown uh, win by Temple, and I think that just seems a little bit off. I, I anticipate the scenario you described uh, coming to fruition in more likelihood. I just think that this line is probably going to grow to maybe like Navy minus five by the yeah, time kickoff. Yeah, I was thinking like four and a half, five. And if if those injuries are just crap, if, if rules making it all up, then yeah, that would that would be very different. But if, if like if they don't have a quarterback who can who can really compete with PJ Walker to begin with, and he's not good and like if he's playing limited or if he's out what does that mean for whatever the you know alternative in that case is it's just it's just it could just you know put the whole offense in in like a a situation where the defense is playing like 10 yards of the field every play because they're just not worried about the pass and Jahad Thomas really good player but a 180 pound back against you know a generally well coached team if if they're singling him out and they're not paying for it like I, I would imagine Navy pulls that off yeah and then you know on the other side of the coin uh Navy's offense always creates trouble for people. Will Worth has uh, 82 touchdowns in the last four weeks. Roughly, yes. Yeah, pretty impressive stuff. And uh, you know, Temple faced one option team earlier this year. They faced Army. Uh, Army went for 329 and four scores on the ground. Uh, but they did hold them under five yards of carry. So that was like a decent showing, I guess, against yeah, an option Temple's team. Yeah, Temple's defense is good. It is, I mean, I absolutely agree. But I think, you know, an option, you know, it, it tests you in different ways, yeah, obviously. Um, but I, I think that Navy obviously sports a much better, ver- like, 
like a Ferrari version of the option as opposed to the the Buick that that Army has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that uh, Navy should be able to pull this one off. You know, you'll have to w- monitor lo- the line coming up to kickoff. But Man, Navy, at this point, sixty six re- points two weeks ago, seventy five last week. That's crazy yeah, for an option it's team. It's nuts. I I don't know if or I've ever seen like, mean, like but, that. You know. Especially one that, yeah, like you said, that's just running constantly. Um, so I think we both like Navy here. Uh, we got Conference USA matchup here. We got Louisiana Tech, who actually beat Western Kentucky earlier this year in a, in a kind of a shootout. Uh, but Western Kentucky, the game is being played there. They are nine and a half point favorites, over under of 80 and a half. I am shocked to see Western Kentucky favored by this much. And I, I know I was, I was so wrong last week about Louisiana Tech uh, killing Southern Mississippi. We both I are. don't know how that can be explained at all, except for them just looking ahead to this. Basically. Like, Southern Mississippi was not a very good team this year. And Louisiana Tech throttled basically everybody on their similar plane of competitiveness. And, and yeah, Western Kentucky... I mean, they're a really good team. It's just uh, nine and a half points. What that, am I? What am I missing here? That, so- that sounds, you know, interesting. I think the fact is that you know when you look beyond uh, that game in early October that Louisiana Tech was able to win at home. Western Kentucky kind of has been playing its best football, and I think maybe maybe some of that line has to do with, with the. I think that loss really kind of hurt Louisiana's te- Louisiana Tech, and at least in Vegas's eyes, or at least it appears to be that way. Uh, Louisiana Tech's defense is is it's definitely bad. it's yeah. really bad. Western Kentucky has a much better defense, so I, I still think that this game probably hits the over though yeah that that's that's the thing is like i don't understand how because it's not just uh you know to say western kentucky's defense is better than louisiana Tech's. when you're talking nine and a half points that's saying like they're gonna they're actually gonna get a nice comfy lead on them and they're not gonna give it up right uh i don't see the western kentucky defense being that good especially when they already failed to be that good once right and uh i don't know it's like that was the only game all year where ryan higgins wasn't just you know completely effortlessly tearing everybody apart so uh two bad games in a row for him throwing to carlos henderson and trent taylor just doesn't seem likely to me so uh i that spread is big enough to make me like question my instincts seriously but uh i'll still take louisiana tech to cover for sure even though i i guess i i guess i now think western kentucky is more likely to win than i may have thought a few minutes ago right yeah i, th- I think i'm with you as far as i, I don't think that a, a team like western kentucky is going to beat louisiana tech by 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 double digits so i, I would take i would roll with the bulldogs there as well um moving on we got a couple of big 12 games of you know basically no importance at this point just ba- yeah. based on how the rankings are, are stacked yeah way to go um but we got bedlam we got oklahoma state at oklahoma oklahoma 11 point favorites uh last year oklahoma pasted them but oklahoma was just kind of a juggernaut at this point last year i thought and i don't really think the same way of them right now and generally this game is pretty close i looked back at some of like the recent scores since 2010 most of these games end up being uh under 10 point differentials so i lean towards oklahoma state covering this one here yeah that's uh that's definitely reasonable i think i'll take the sooners to cover though because uh, their defense in the past month has been a lot better than it was prior to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, after Mahomes threw for 1,200 yards on them, they've only allowed, I think, like 600 since then okay. through the air. Um, in the meantime, Oklahoma State's pass defense is surprisingly competent, but their run defense, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, but I, I remember seeing their run defense stats were pretty bad. Okay, uh, And with the way Pirine and Mixon are running right now, I do think it could be a scenario where where the Sooners, you know, it, it, it's closed for like two quarters, but they they get enough of a lead, and then that running game just kind of like lets them just choke out the, the rest of the game, and like I don't know, Mason Rudolph might start pressing if, if uh, things get late enough, and the, the Sooners' defense keeps playing as well as it has. So that's that's the way it would have to happen, I think. And I think Rudolph's a good player, but I'm not convinced that that running game is going to get going in the setting. So right. I, I can imagine a few stall drives that they're just not accustomed to, to, to withstanding, whereas Oklahoma, I think, is going to be able to do what they want on offense. I think it'll be interesting to see what a healthy Mason Rudolph is able to do this time around, because I think he played last year, but it was with a messed up foot. I think he only played a few Oh, yeah, series. he had that stupid foot thing for yeah. like all year. Yeah, yeah basically. So it, it is going to be interesting. He's... 
you know, a year better. James Washington is obviously a total stud, and they, they, I've been impressed by their kind of second and third receivers. Uh, I wish I could name them yeah, off McCleskey, the top of my head better. And they got uh, Chris Lacey, I want to say, in addition to Jawan Seals. Yeah, every week it seems like, you know, I, we, we usually have an OK State game on here, and uh, watching them, they, it, you, I kind of will look up from my computer, and all of a sudden they, they'll have made an insane sideline catch. So they're, they're really talented. I think they're going to put uh, the things that you said about Oklahoma's defense. It has been a lot better. I think that it is going to be tested harder than it has been in recent yeah, weeks. Um, so that that's just going to be really interesting to see uh, how how Oklahoma State kind of can handle the the times where their drives do stall out uncharacteristically because that is going to happen. They're not going to be able to score completely at will this time around. I, I My premise here, I think that Oklahoma wins and they're at home. I just think it is going to end up being a closer game than 11 points. Yeah, that, and I think the way that that does happen is either, yeah, Oklahoma State just runs the ball better than I thought or, or Rudolph is, a, you know, heroic in this game, which he could be. I I, I, I I know people have soured a little bit on Rudolph, like a, a, a prospect. Just, yeah, just glancing around draft Twitter, it seems like people think he's a second round pick. I'm not sure why. I've also missed like the Mitch Trubisky memo. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not like making any definitive statements. I just I, I was like, I look away for a second, and all of a sudden, people are like, he's going first. I'm like, what? When? Why? What happened <laughs> right. to Deshaun Kaiser? Um, but I. Uh, yeah, I just I think Rudolph is really good. It's just that I worry that Oklahoma running game plus improved defense might make it hard. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, 11, 11 points is a lot. Yeah, no, I think that 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 Oklahoma running game versus the Oklahoma State run defense is also going to be uh, that's going to really do a lot as far as how this spread shakes out. Um, moving on to the other Big Twelve game here, we got Baylor going to West Virginia. West Virginia <laughs> seventeen point favorites. We'll get through this quick. Uh, 68 point over under uh read an interesting fact on espn today that the home team in this matchup uh since west virginia joined the big 12 has won by double digits uh usually in complete blowout fashion I, I yeah think i remember like the one points i remember the one a couple of years ago where bryce petty uh, melted down at west virginia so would it have been like at waco last year and seth russell plastered them yeah that must have been it. okay yeah well baylor is going to get plastered uh per the tradition this yeah year they, they've completely they've completely quit uh that, that team's just done uh maybe they'll get sunny dykes from cal and maybe things will start to look a little bit better at baylor but for right now uh barring some sort of drastic change it looks like they're looking at the dark ages and i don't think regardless of uh, of anything uh, this week it, they're going to get pasted by west virginia i'm i am fairly confident in that one yeah. uh moving to a far more interesting game we got san diego state touchdown favorites on the road mountain west championship on the line going to wyoming where they lost earlier earlier this season just a few weeks ago actually and wyoming pulled off a really narrow win at home i think it was something like 34 to 33 san diego state had the chance to tie it up late but instead went for two hubris and uh they blew it uh a lot of the mark d'antonio thing against ohio state the other week uh wyoming outgained them 487 to 389 you know you don't usually see that kind of offense put up on san diego state but wyoming has a really potent offense uh the nice passing game good quarterback nice receivers uh so this this is an interesting one here how do you see this one shaking out so they might have been looking ahead a week granted but San Diego State lost to Colorado State 63 to 31 last week. That's 63 to 31. And I In American I, points? Uh yes, and I don't know of any time that I've seen a team favored over one they just lost to 2 weeks ago uh with with a 63-31 uh just dismemberment in between the two games. Jeez. So yeah, they, they totally collapsed as a pass defense. Michael Gallup, who to be fair, seems quite good. Uh, he torched them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think the game was over like by like early in the, the like mid second quarter or something like that. Like Gallup ha- had already, I think had like a hundred yards and a touchdown before Crikey. the first half was over. Um, so yeah, on the one hand that doesn't seem super like uh, indicative of who San Diego state is. You wouldn't expect that two weeks in a row, but uh, when you fail to that magnitude, it's like how do you how do you buy into the idea that you just bounce back to complete, you know, competence against this this team that you know is good, Wyoming, uh, and you know already beat you, right? Uh, so seven points, I don't know, that feels like a lot, but uh, on the other hand, I, yeah, I do think San Diego's San Diego State is definitely not the team they were last week. So sure. I'll man, that sucks. I hate 
making picks on games and, like this. And, and it is uh, in Wyoming, for, uh, just to let you know, and I think it's going to be well under 30 degrees in Laramie at kickoff for these little hmm. San Diego boys. I think that helps. I, I mean, I know they're from San Diego, but I think that helps them because I, I'm not convinced that Josh Allen, if, if uh, basically like we know Pumphrey can produce on the ground, even if he has no passing game around him. Right. I don't know it, when you go against the San Diego state defense, if you have no passing game from the, from the, you know, if, if, if Allen's not pushing the safeties back, I can see Brian Hill getting shut down, even though he, he did succeed against San Diego state earlier. I don't know. Uh, I I I think I gotta take San Diego State because something just feels off about all of this, and it, it it's a trap of some kind. I don't know which one it is, but I, I remember like San Diego State beating California or something. Yes, like, that did that happen, or is that all just things I made <laughs> up? Fever dream. Yeah, uh, no. I mean, I know it happened, but it's like, it's like how, how did how do these things all happen in the same universe? Yeah, it's very. It's been a very strange year in the Mountain West, and you know, Boise State kind of uh, bowed out, not very gracefully yeah. these past few few weeks. You know, yeah, a lot weird. ugly loss to Air Force. So I don't know. I, mean, I am excited for this matchup. This is actually a game yeah, that I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to. Um, I think. I'm gonna go with Wyoming to cover here. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, think seven I th- points and they already won. Yeah, and they're at home. I th- I just think that 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 might do it, or that might be enough for me to to take them to cover here. Uh, moving on, the one that's near and dear to neither of our hearts, really. Even though we live in Madison, we got Wisconsin versus Penn State. Wisconsin two and a half point favorites, uh, forty seven and a half point over under two and a half. That makes it seem like Vegas thinks Barkley is okay, right? I guess because if Barkley yeah. wasn't oh, able yeah, to go, right. it'd be, think it'd be, be like six seven. and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't. Barkley seems like he could be actually, you know, sub- substantively limited and not just uh, you know a little nicked up. So I don't think Penn State well, has when a did, when did he there. when did he come out of the game last week? If you remember. I don't. He, he seemed to be walking around. He kind of had this relieved look on his face, like he avoided something bad. Uh, so, I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll see him at like ninety percent this week. Yeah, I guess I, I think Corey Clement has a totally fine game. Penn State's run defense has been middling at best this year. Uh, Clement's played against some really tough defenses, and he's he's gotten hard yardage all year. Right. Um, I know it's not in Camp Randall, but uh, and, and that definitely does hurt. Wisconsin, I, th- I think. Uh, right. I still, I still think that defense plus Clement is is a constant that Penn State can't match. So I'll I'll take Wisconsin to win. But yeah, it's very easy to imagine this being like a one point victory for whoever it is. Yeah, this is this is as tough of a game to to parse out as far as the winner uh, goes uh, of this weekend. Really, uh, to me, it comes down to the Penn State offense versus the Wisconsin defense. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if Penn State is unable to run the ball with Barkley that that takes out a significant dimension of their offense and, and that's not to say that McSorley's been been bad it, really the opposite uh he looked great last weekend he yeah, he's I a mean, good job this year. He, I think he <laughs> he was averaging like 16 yards per attempt against Michigan State like he absolutely just burned them to the ground um obviously that's not going to happen against uh Wisconsin defense with Sojourn Shelton and Dakota Dixon and uh Musso but it, it, well, that's going to be the key factor, really, is, well, is just how he's really able to good. do. Right. He and is really good. DeAndre Tompkins is actually pretty good, too, in my opinion. Yeah, Mike Kosicki, uh, is that how you pronounce his name, the tight end? He's actually the second leading receiver on Penn State. So if he can attack and you know, if Wisconsin opts to use linebackers to cover him, uh, I think that they could be mistaken there because Kosicki is a very talented pass catcher. So he's, yeah. he's going to be a guy to look out for in this game, obviously. Barkley's uh, health is a huge factor. Right now, I'm leaning a, a, a Wisconsin win. I don't really know what to make of the two and a half point spread, so I'm probably just going to stay off of wagering on this one. Do you have any read on the on the forty seven and a half over under? I mean, it might. <laughs> it feels like an under game to me. Yeah. Uh, although forty seven and a half isn't that high. Of, uh, I, I guess I'm thinking more like twenty one to seventeen or like twenty four to twenty one than whatever like 28 to 24 right okay i'm with you there i I think we both agree that that we were we're going to take the under here although there have been some crazy odd high scores occasionally in these big 10 championship games i just don't foresee it happening this time around with these two offenses yeah like as good as mcsorley's been he's not really like a 
really burn you through the air in a high volume sense quarterback and wisconsin's defense is so good uh, in the meantime the badgers quarterbacks aren't very good so. no they're not and one of them is banged up so that, that's this it's whole other thing uh then we got two more games here we got the acc championship clemson 10 point favorites taking on virginia tech uh over under at 58 points here they haven't faced each other since 2012 so there's really no sort of recent uh history here to to lean on at all so that you know that's obviously pre-watson and obviously pre-evans and pre-fuente era at virginia tech uh clemson has an 80 percent win probability according according to sb nation's numbers there projected score at 33 to 19 actually so that was a little bit higher than i was expecting i when this matchup, you know, became set in stone, I kind of felt like Virginia Tech had the highest probability of of an upset amongst like the these Power Five championship games uh, because of how well that they've played lately. Their their offense seems to be clicking. Their defense has been pretty strong throughout the year, but it's really just hard to beat Clemson when Clemson yeah. is on. And we've seen Deshaun Watson step up when it's high pressure. Yes, uh, last year in the playoffs, most memorably, but. Uh, yeah, 19 points. I'm not seeing that. I think 10 is about right for the spread. Uh, I would definitely have to pick Clemson to win and probably to cover that because, uh, yeah, I mean, Gerard Evans has been really, really good this year, but it's, it's when it basically comes down to him or Watson, I, I just can't it's still Watson. And, yeah. and, and, and even though Virginia tech has really nice weapons, I think they're just more like really nice weapons for for virginia tech and and guys that clemson has are more like freak shows for the most yeah, part virginia tech is actually pretty short-handed at the skill posi- uh, receiver pass catchers like mm-hmm. bucky hodges is kind of their number two receiver along with cam phillips and they're both okay but um like isaiah ford is really good but uh the the fuente offense being up tempo like it is being generally spread out like it is those guys are playing so many snaps and it's it's not because they're like that great it's just they have no depth so right uh yeah obviously clemson clemson just has so much more speed on offense like they they can just strike from anywhere whereas virginia tech it'll i think it would take watson having just like a straight up bad game from them to win and i I don't see that happening one interesting thing that i saw uh andy bitter the the virginia tech uh beat writer he tweeted out a quote from bud foster who kind of was of the opinion that that Deshaun Watson is used more of a runner in big games, and I, I, yeah. I it sounded right to me. And I went ahead and looked back at the game logs, and it's true. Uh, the last four games of last year, so that's the South Carolina game that where, if you remember, South Carolina actually gave Clemson a pretty good fight in that one. Yeah. Uh, he ran it 21 times against them, ran it 24 times against UNC, uh, 24 against OU in the playoff game, and 20 times against Bama. Yep. And then this year. Uh, he, his two i mean he hasn't rushed as much this year but his two highest rushing attempt games were against louisville and florida state two of the biggest games that they've played yeah and last year he was doing that only like eight and a half months removed from acl repair surgery so uh they're gonna run him this time like he's gonna run in this game he's gonna run take off the blinders yeah he's actually they're gonna cut him loose yeah and i think if they do that then uh look out hokies unfortunately i i would i would rescind my upset prediction i think that clemson uh should be able to take this 10 point spread especially if they do kind of let watson loose here and then rounding us out with probably the least interesting game of the day uh florida versus alabama in the sec championship game right it's 24 and a half is that what it is uh let's check here i believe so yeah or 24 flat 24 flat (laughs) um yeah i definitely think alabama cruises uh, i almost struggle to imagine how those points happen though like i, I guess we're one of them is defense and maybe the other is a kick return <laughs> yeah they they'll and, do that so yeah they've that, done that, that. Adds I've, on. I've seen them do that before um so yeah they might do it again obviously florida is going to be on some kind of uh, turnover record watch uh, is it appleby who's going to be starting i believe so and i don't think that there's been aside from the 2012 bama versus uh georgia sec championship game these games have been really lopsided since since 2010 since 2009 uh basically uh bama beat florida that year 32 to 13 and since then it's pretty much been all blowouts except for that bama georgia game it's been pretty much at least two touchdowns appleby cannot play in this game no it's It's gonna be bad and they're not gonna be able to run the ball either so they're getting they're gonna be playing from behind so they're gonna need appleby to throw it he's gonna throw some picks just you think he throws five i bet he throws four yeah let's put the over under at four and a half for that uh yeah i'll take the over 
Okay, nice. Just, well, just complete abject meltdown. I guess that was the most uh, important thing to discuss about that game. Uh, <laughs> what what will Austin Appleby's fate be exactly? <laughs> Sorry, uh, man. Something something not good. To be fair, he's been way better than I ever would have thought possible. For that offense is slightly SEC. more explosive with him Six at quarterback. Six touchdowns to two interceptions. That's crazy. And I noticed that all pretty much all of Antonio Callaway's catches of over 20 yards have been when Appleby's playing. Yeah, Del Rio was worse. I don't know why he was even playing. But yeah, that Appleby's like the guy who lost to the guy who lost to some guy who's currently starting at Purdue and uh, was the fourth uh, quarterback before some guy left the team this year. Yeah, the Purdue guy led the FBS in interceptions this year and beat out uh, at Lang, who beat out Appleby. Yep, amazing stuff there. What what a just crazy six degrees of separation. Yeah, just beautiful stuff there. Uh, so next week we're probably not going to have a podcast here. I think something there's only one the game, games, but we yeah. will get one probably the following Wednesday. We might do something with like draft stuff, combine probably. Yeah, we'll get that probably after the season ends, probably probably pre-combine the week or two leading up to that. Uh, but with that said, this was our championship week podcast. Signing off for Mario, this was John McKechnie, and we will talk to you guys again in two weeks. story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.